Because we're offering uh, baptisms on July 10th, I, I want to let you know that I've got one goal this morning as it has to do with our teaching time. Um, I want to take some time with you today uh, to look at what the Bible has to say about baptism, uh, hopefully answering for you maybe some questions that you have about this really important subject. Now, there are a number of different views on baptism. Uh, you may have been sprinkled as an infant. Maybe uh, you, you had water poured on your head later on in life. Maybe you were baptized as a child. Uh, maybe you've really never taken the time to step back and to explore for yourself, uh, again, this important subject of baptism. Now, whatever your situation, uh, I want to invite you to listen in this morning, uh, to open your heart and to open your mind uh, and be ready to respond Uh, to the work that God wants to do in your life today. Now, we could spend a few weeks talking about this important subject of baptism. I've tried to do my best today uh, to summarize what I believe to be some of the most important points, uh, maybe some of the most common or important questions that you might have about this subject of baptism. Now, we talked about this last July prior to a great big celebration that we had here at Genesis Church. And if you were here last July when we talked about it on a Sunday morning, then some of this might be review for you. But I want to look at a series of questions with you today. And if you've got a worship program and you want to follow along and take notes, you can do that. The first question that I want to ask is, what does baptism mean? Uh, What does baptism mean for us? Now, baptism can mean a number of different things, but I'd like to start with three significant things that baptism means. The first thing is this. Baptism is an inner cleansing. Baptism is an inner cleansing. Now, at Genesis, we believe that when you're baptized, it's as if you're turning your past over to God. You're you're giving God your past. It's like you're saying to him, God, here it is. Uh, God, I'm giving you my past. I'm, I'm giving you my, my childhood. I'm giving you my high school years. I'm giving you my college years and asking you to carry them. Make sure to use your knees because those are bad years for me. I, I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you everything. I, I'm turning it over to you, God. Here it is. I'm ready to receive your forgiveness. I'm ready for this new start in my life. So when you're baptized, uh, it's a statement for you. But it's also a statement for others, for this church, uh, that you're turning over, you're trusting God with your future, but you're not only trusting God with your future, you're also trusting him with your past. Uh, It's about his forgiveness received and enjoyed in your life, that you've invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, and you will never, ever again be the same. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 21 and 22 in the message say this, the waters of baptism do that for you. Not by washing away dirt from your skin, but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Now listen to this. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone, from angels to armies, and he's standing right alongside of God, and what he says goes. That that Jesus stands as our advocate. When you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, he, he becomes your advocate before God. He enables you and I to find our way back to God. Now, we're going to baptize a whole bunch of people on July 10th out at Forest Park, and we're expecting a great crowd. We're going to have a great party in the park together, and and people from this church, uh, people from your family, maybe some of your friends that you're going to invite uh, from your work are are going to come and watch. We've got a portable baptism tub. We're going to take it out there that afternoon, and we're going to set it up, fill it up with water. Uh, We'll eat together. We'll let the kids play, and then we're going to gather together as one by one people come forward to demonstrate the work that God has done in their life a new change, a new start. Baptism represents a great work done by God. Again, it's an inner cleansing. The second thing is that baptism is a meaningful symbol. 
Uh, God used symbols all throughout the Bible. The rainbow reminded Noah after the flood that God would never again destroy the world by a flood. Uh, A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night reminded the people of Israel that God was leading, that he was directing, that he would take them on to the promised land. Uh, We're going to take communion at the end of our service today as we worship together. Communion is a symbol of Christ's death. It's a, a symbol of his body broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Now, what's baptism? Well, baptism is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we see this in baptism as we are buried with Christ when we go under the water, but we are raised to new life. We are alive with Christ symbolically as we come up out of the water. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. Now, now get this. Every time we celebrate baptism, and if you're new to Genesis Church, uh, you need to know that we kind of make a big deal out of it. All right, we have a lot of fun with baptism. We really celebrate baptism. You know, we we go crazy. Now, why? Because, again, baptism is a reminder of a life changed. Uh, It's a reminder that a person has found their way back to God. It's a reminder that, that Jesus Christ just didn't die for us, but he was raised to new life on our behalf, and we are made alive because of what Christ has done. And so when we baptize, we, we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus. But, but we also celebrate those who are made alive in Christ. You know, when, when you get baptized, or when you were baptized, you were making a statement with your life that I'm forgiven, I'm alive with Jesus Christ, I've given my life to him, I will never be the same, I can't go back to my old way of living. And baptism leaves a mark on you. And if you were baptized as as a student or as an adult, you might remember this, but it leaves a mark on you. It leaves an impression on you that you'll never forget. You'll never forget that feeling of being buried with Christ as you go into the water, but coming up out of that water symbolizing a brand new person, risen, alive in Jesus. And it's not only for you. I mean, baptism is not only for God, but it's also a great celebration and experience for our church, for your connection group. Uh, for your family, for your kids, for your spouse. Again, baptism is a statement that says, I'm alive. I've been made alive in Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so baptism is not only an inner cleansing, but it's also a great symbol. The third thing is that baptism is a visible expression of your faith. You know, and we see this regularly in the New Testament, that when people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, they were baptized. They were baptized as soon as possible. The two went together. Uh, The book of Acts describes for us, tells the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, that they met on a road. And according to the scripture, we get the impression that this road was out in the middle of of nowhere. But Philip was a Christian. uh, And as a follower of Christ, he took every advantage that he had to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And and he didn't miss any opportunities. And so he came upon this man and he shared the good news with him. He shared the message of Jesus. And after hearing this message, the scripture tells us that this man from Ethiopia couldn't resist responding. And in the moment, he he responded to the work that God was doing in his life. He, he, He surrendered his life to Jesus. And then he asked, when can I be baptized? You know, for him, the two were inseparable. 
uh, they went together. The, the scriptures teach us that they found a nearby stream of water and this man was baptized because for him, and it was so important, that baptism for him was a visible expression of his faith. It was a symbol, again, of what God had done, the work that God had done in his life. And so baptism was then, you know, and still is a visible expression of faith in Jesus. God gave us baptism as a gift. Uh, He gave it to us. It's a way of of you and I demonstrating the work that he's done, this new faith. It's like he's saying, you know, you've made this decision in your life. Now go do something public about it. Go do something public to announce to everyone, to your church, to your family, to your friends, that you have been changed and that you will never again, you will never again be the same. You know, baptism might be the next step for some of you. You know, as we look ahead to July the 10th, and, and I know that many of you, you know, here today, maybe you've surrendered your lives to Jesus Christ and you've been baptized, uh, some recently. You know, may, maybe it happened here on a Sunday morning. Maybe it happened for you on a drive to work one day. Maybe it happened with you uh, as you were meeting with your connection group or something. You know, God has given you baptism as the next step in demonstrating your faith, an act of obedience, a great celebration for you, for your family, and for this church. And maybe it's the next step that he's calling you to take. Um, last August, we had this great baptism event here at Genesis Church, and over 30 people were baptized. And uh, there was one little girl, Judah Getchell, and she's eight years old, and she was here with her mom and dad, and she had given her life to Jesus Christ. And her parents had been a part of that. And she'd been talking about baptism, and, and mom and dad just said, you know, I, I don't know if you're old enough yet. We should probably wait. Let's just go see it. And so they were here, and they witnessed baptism that morning, and Judah just wouldn't let it go. She wouldn't let it go. And she's like, Mom and Dad, I have to do this. And, and I know John and Esther were like, you know, what should we do? Should we let her do it? And wouldn't you know it, at the very end of the service, and most everyone had left, but a few of us were around, they just said, we got to give this to her. we got to give this gift. And, and, and I had the pleasure of getting the water with her and the smile that was glowing on her face as she was baptized. I mean, this enthusiasm, this contagious enthusiasm of, I have made a decision for Jesus Christ, and I have to take the next step because I will never again ever be the same. You know, there are a number of events, there are a number of milestones worth celebrating in life. Maybe the first day of kindergarten for your kid. Uh, Maybe when someone turns 16 and has a big party or graduates from high school or college. You know, maybe a big milestone in your life was the day you found out that you passed the boards. You know, after the sixth try, you know, but, but you pass them and you're ready to move on and there's a cause for a great celebration. I will tell you that nothing Absolutely nothing in this world can surpass or top what it means for someone to give their life to Jesus Christ. And when someone is baptized as a way of publicly demonstrating the work that God has done in them, again, it is an event worth celebrating. It's something that we get really excited about. And when it happens, you know, kids sit here and they watch and they start asking mom and dad questions. And people sit all throughout this room and eyes get real teary as they're reminded, I've been praying for that guy for a long time. You know, or, or some sit out there and think, I, I, I need to take that step. And that's the next step of obedience for me in my life. Uh, another question that comes up is, how do we do baptisms? Uh, how do we do baptisms here at Genesis? Well, first, I want you to know that baptism doesn't have to be performed by a pastor. Uh, the Bible doesn't require that. It doesn't say anything. I, I believe that anyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ and has been baptized can baptize. In fact, my hope is that not only at our picnic in July, but in the years to come, our baptism waters will not only be filled with people who are baptizing, but people like you who are baptizing them. As you baptize your son, or as you baptize your daughter, 
or as you baptized your neighbor that you invited to church or your coworker, and you played a big part in the decision that they made to receive Christ as their Savior. I remember one of the most memorable baptism experiences I've been a part of was at a church before I came here, and I was just in the crowd that day, but there was a young man that came into the water just out of college, and he was there with his mom. And as the mic was on, he barely got the words out of his mouth that I am here to baptize my mom today, and he lost it. And he wept over the course of the next couple of minutes as he told his mom's story and how he had prayed for her year after year to receive Jesus Christ and how she had finally surrendered. And he baptized his mom in that water and she came up out of the water and everybody jumped to their feet and applauded as loud as they could, celebrating not only this mom who was demonstrating her new faith in Jesus, but also this young guy who refused to give up on mom. And he got to play a big part in it. You know, depending on your church background, you've probably seen baptism performed in a number of different ways. Some traditions sprinkle, others pour water over a person's head. Uh, It's important to note that these methods uh, are never mentioned or discussed in the Bible and all came along, you know, sometime after the first church was established. Uh, Evidence indicates that sprinkling was first used as a method for baptism when people were ill or physically unable to make it in the water. And the earliest evidence for people being sprinkled dates back to about 300 A.D. That's 300 years after the life of Jesus. And it wasn't until 1311 that the Roman Catholic Church officially established sprinkling and pouring as official forms of baptism. Now, most evangelical churches, that'd be churches like Genesis, choose to immerse. That is to take someone all of the way under the water. Now, at Genesis Church, you need to know that we hold you under for a good 30 seconds just to make sure that it takes, all right, to make sure that we get all that stuff off. I'm just kidding. You know, and then we bring you back out. Um, But why immerse someone? You know, why take someone all the way under? Well, if you look to the Bible, every example of baptism was performed in the exact same way. It was putting a person all of the way under the water and then bringing them up out of the water. We see this again in the book of Acts, in Acts 8, with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The Bible says that he went down into the water and came up out of the water. We see this in Jesus' baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, again, the text says that he went down into the water and came up out of the water. Now, the Greek word for baptism, uh, the Greek word here, and if you're taking notes, uh, this word used in each of these two places is the word baptizo. Now, when translated, the word baptizo means to plunge. Uh, it means to dip or to immerse in water. Now, now, consider these two instances that I just described and go back, if you will, with me to the verse we looked at just a moment ago in Romans chapter 6. The word used to describe baptism was buried, to be buried with Christ in our baptism. You know, you can see why, hopefully you can see why we choose to immerse because we believe that it's a better picture of being buried with Christ. And so at Genesis, we immerse, we we baptize by immersion because we believe that it more clearly follows what Jesus called us to do. I believe that baptism better, uh, by immersion, better represents this picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But I will tell you that sprinkling or pouring would be a lot more convenient. Uh, In fact, I remember back to another church I was serving. There was a guy by the name of Eric, and he came up to me on a Sunday morning. He said, hey, I've made this decision with my connection group this week. I I received Jesus in my life. i got to be baptized. Well, I was looking ahead on the calendar with him and said, you know what? I think we're doing baptism in a few weeks, so we'd love to baptize you. He's like, no, you don't understand. I have to do it today. Well, really? He says, yeah, I I just I have to. I I have to do this. Well, we've got to fill up the baptism tank, and then there's the matter of the heater, and it's the middle of winter. And he's like, 
but you don't understand, I have to do this tonight. Well, at our, that time, we had an evening service at our church, and so we filled up that baptism tank, and, and I knew what he maybe knew that nobody else knew, and that was that that water was going to be freezing cold come Sunday night because there was no time for that heater to work. And so we climbed into that tank together, and, you know, you wish I'd be a little more short-winded at times. I was very short, you know, on this particular occasion, baptizing this young man. But again the enthusiasm, the desire, I have to do this. And we baptized him that night and everyone got really excited about it. You know, um, chances are that some of you were baptized as an infant. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what the, your parents chose for you. My wife grew up in a Lutheran church. She was baptized as an infant. But about six years ago, she made a decision in her life that she wanted to be baptized as an adult. She wanted this decision for herself. And so it's worth noting that there's something else important that we see in the Bible when someone is baptized. Now, what is it? That every person baptized in Scripture made the decision for themselves. There is not one single instance of infant baptism in the Bible. Now, that leads us to the next question. Well, then who should be baptized? I believe the Bible is very clear that the only people who should be baptized are those who have surrendered their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. Now, you may not understand a lot about what the Bible has to say about God. You may not know a lot about theology, but you know this. Something has changed inside of you. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. You've received his forgiveness, and you will never again be the same. And if this is you, um, if this is where you are, uh, then you're ready to be baptized. You're ready to take that next step. Now, most of you may not realize this because I don't ever think I've shared this with you before, but um, I had a drug problem as a kid. Yeah, my parents drug me to church every single Sunday. Yeah, we went Sunday morning. Uh, we went Sunday night. We were there any time the church was open. You know, we were there, you know, for everything. We, we didn't miss anything. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Simple attempt at a joke there. But here's the thing. Um, regular attendance at church doesn't save you. Being there three or four times a month doesn't do it for you. Uh, liking the music and singing the songs. If your parents attending church or raising you in the church doesn't necessarily save you. you know, serving on a ministry team doesn't do it for you. As important as these things are. You know, what does it? Um, it all comes down to a personal decision that you make for Jesus Christ. When I was 12 years old, I made a personal decision to trust God with my life. And I talked with my parents, and I talked with my student pastor, and I made, we made the decision that I was ready to be baptized. And so on a Sunday night at my church that I grew up in Illinois, I was baptized. Now, I knew what I was doing, but I can't tell you that I was as grateful for the decision that I had made then as I am for that decision today. And I think that it's awesome when children and students make decisions for Jesus Christ and want to be baptized. And students and children are a big part of our mission as a church. No doubt about it. We continue to grow in this area. Uh, and that's why our student team and our children's team make it a point and make it an effort to share the message of Jesus with children and students, to talk with them about baptism. But let me tell you this. I want to tell you who plays the most important role in a student's life and in a child's life. Mom and dad, it's you. You play the most important role in your son or your daughter making a decision for Christ and then moving forward with the decision to be baptized. You have an incredible opportunity. There's no one that has more influence in this particular situation than you do. Now, one of the questions 
that comes up from time to time is, well, at what age can I baptize my child? And, well, I have a suggestion for you. I I have a guideline, kind of a marker that we've set as a staff. Our children's uh, director, T-Rock, and I have talked about this. Uh, The age that we have come up with in referring to other churches is the age of eight. Now, I will tell you, there's nothing scriptural about that age. Uh, It's not a magical age by any means, but, but it's just kind of a marker that we've put out there to help you as parents in discerning, is my son or is my daughter ready to be baptized? Now, I realize that there may be some six-year-olds and some seven-year-olds out there who, who are ready to receive, uh, to, who have made a decision for Jesus Christ in their life and may be ready to be baptized. And that's awesome. And parents, if that conversation is coming up in your house, at your dinner table, or in the car, or uh, is they're getting in bed at night, don't avoid that conversation. You have that conversation with them and encourage them to receive Jesus as their Savior. But when it comes to baptism... I just want to make sure that you understand uh, that that you come to some sort of understanding with your child that they realize as much as possible what they're getting ready to do. You know, because when baptism is done to satisfy grandma and grandpa, or if baptism is done because Uncle Joe just happens to be in town and he wants to see it happen, or or, or a friend's getting baptized, and, and boy, she'd sure like to get baptized with her friend. Well, I think you can see that it's possible that we miss the point. Again, this is why your role as parents is so pivotal in this. It's so critical. I mean, you have a great opportunity to lead and to influence your child and your student in making this decision for Jesus. Now, our children's director, T-Rock, and our student pastor, Josh, they're ready to help you in this. They're ready to help you with some resources or some guidance if you need help in having that conversation. So just let them know. But what about infant baptism? You know, why do some churches baptize infants then? Why do some churches sprinkle, inf- sprinkle, inf- sprinkle infants? Well, some churches believe in a concept known as, in theology, original sin. And it's the belief that your baby is born into this world uh, with the sin of Adam already on them, this original sin. And so the reasoning is that you need to get your baby baptized as soon as possible so that, God forbid, if something ever happens, you can have the confidence of knowing that your baby is in heaven. Well, it's worth noting that when pressed, uh, even those churches and denominations that practice infant baptism are quick to acknowledge that the practice of infant baptism doesn't come from the Bible. And I want to show you a few instances of that, if they're ready to show those on the screen. The the Tabingen School is a Lutheran school, and in a paper on infant baptism, they cited this. A compelling direct proof from Scripture for the possibility of infant baptism cannot be brought. A congregationalist scholar, H.T. Andrews, says there is no shred of real proof that baptism was administered to infants in the apostolic age. A Methodist scholar, J.R. Nelson, says the New Testament says nothing explicitly about the baptism or the baptizing of children. Now, Now, here's what I believe. I believe that we are born into this world, that children are born into this world with a sin nature, not with original sin on us, but a sin nature. I mean, how can a baby be guilty of sin if they're not yet ready to make decisions for themselves? Or how can a baby be guilty of sin if they can't on their own choose to accept Jesus or to reject him again on their own? I like what one pastor said uh, when he was interviewing on, on the Larry King show. It wasn't too long after the World Trade Center towers had fallen on 9-11. Larry King was interviewing the pastor. And if you can imagine him asking through his really you know, big mic that kind of looks like an electric razor or something, uh, he said to the pastor, suppose a baby you know, was at the bottom of the World Trade Center towers when the buildings collapsed. What, what's the eternity look like for that child? And, and I love the pastor's response because with confidence and without hesitation, he said two words, instant heaven. Instant heaven. 
you know, I, I realize that this age of accountability thing can, can be a complicated one to understand. You know, when is a child responsible for their decisions, responsible for their faith, their ability to accept or reject Jesus? You know, again, does the Bible say anything about a magical age? No. But what we know in this life is this, that we all have a choice to make. Every single one of us has a choice to make, whether to accept Jesus or to reject him. And I believe that every baby, every child is eternally covered by the love of God, the grace of God, and Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you've ever lost a baby, if you have ever lost a child, I hope that you can find those words incredibly encouraging even today. Now, having said that, we don't baptize infants at Genesis Church. We believe baptism is a personal choice that you make in your life. Now, if, if you were baptized, now I will say that several times a year we do baby dedications and it's a great event. We've been having a lot of them lately, babies and baby dedications, not personally me in our household, but for some of you, but uh, we do baby dedications a few times a year. We're going to do that again in August. And again, it's an opportunity for moms and dads, families to stand and say, hey, we recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord and we're going to do everything in our power to raise our child in the church and to know Jesus. But, but what if you were baptized as an infant? You know, what if your parents made that decision for you? Or, or what if you baptized your baby somewhere else? Was it wrong? Now, I, I don't want to give that impression at all. Because I, I commend any parent, you know, whose desire is to initiate, you know, the, the, this love for Christ in a child's heart. And, and so if that's happened in your life or you've done that for a child, I don't want you to discount that by any means. But, but let me say to those of you who were baptized as an infant, if, if you were baptized as an infant, I want to challenge you to consider being baptized now as an adult. To have this decision, to have this experience for yourself. Not as a way of rejecting what your parents did for you, but maybe to consider as a way of fulfilling what they started for you in your life. You know, because for you to have this experience for yourself, you'll never be the same. Colossians chapter 2.12 says this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Another question that comes up is, should I be baptized again? You know, you might be thinking, hey, I was nine then. I'm 30 now. I mean, 20 years has passed. I've learned a whole lot more. I sure didn't know as much then as I know today. Well, I just want to say to you this. I hope we all grow in 20 years. I hope 20 years from now you know a lot more and you're more confident and secure in your faith you know, than, than you are today or that you were 20 years ago. And so being baptized at the age of nine and knowing a lot more today doesn't necessarily mean you should go out and be rebaptized. But what if you were baptized for the wrong reasons? I mean, this might be a question worth asking because suppose you were baptized and it really didn't mean anything to you. Uh, maybe you were getting married at a particular church and they required that you be baptized in their church or, or your, pressure, your, your parents pressured you into it. If your grandma offered you 50 bucks to get baptized at her little church on an Easter Sunday, there's a good chance you missed the point in it, all right? And it might be worth reconsidering. But, but get baptized for the right reasons. Again, baptism is an act of obedience. It's about going public with your decision to follow Jesus. And if you have any doubts about your baptism previously, or you feel like God is moving in you to do it again, I'd say you'd better bring a change of clothes on July the 10th. And let us celebrate with you as you get into that water and you make a public statement with your life, I'm following Jesus Christ and I'll never be the same again. Uh, If that's for you and that's what God's leading you to do on your connection card today, you can mark on there, I want to be baptized. 
And as you leave this room today, immediately to your right, drop it in the basket. We'll contact you this week uh, with some more information. We won't stand in your way if God's leading you to be baptized again. Do I have to be baptized? Is baptism required? You know, some will say, you know, is it really a big deal? I mean, I go to church every week. I've made this decision. Why do I have to be baptized? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, again, when we look to the Bible, when we look at what Jesus commanded us to do without exception, every decision for Christ was followed by baptism. Again, the two were inseparable. They went together. In Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38, uh, Peter was preaching this great sermon to a great crowd of people and skipping ahead to verse 38. Here's what Peter said. Repent and be baptized. Every single one of you. You wonder what you're supposed to do next? You're surrendering your life to Jesus. You feel him moving in you. Repent. Receive it. Understand it. Take it for your own. And be baptized. Go be baptized, again, as a a demonstration of what Christ has done. You know, I I think too often the question that comes up is, do I have to be baptized? You know, do I really have to do this? But but I want to ask you, what if we changed our thinking? You know, we we changed our posture, our approach to a, a subject like this, and instead of asking, do I have to, we start asking, what's God asking me to do? I mean, do you realize how different your life and my life would be if instead of asking, do I have to do this, our response always to God was, what is it you're asking me to do? What is it that I can do next for you? You know, know, believe me, I I think it's possible to overemphasize this topic of baptism. I, I really believe you can. I believe that some churches do. And we certainly don't want to do that. But we're not going to minimize it either. Because it is a big deal. It's a big deal for you. It's a big deal for the kingdom. You know, baptism not only means so much to the person that's being baptized, but to all involved. I mean, it it really is a celebration of our amazing God and the work that he's doing in your life and in the lives of others. Uh, Last last summer, we we celebrated baptisms here at Genesis Church, as as I mentioned to you. Do we have that video ready? Uh, This is just a portion of the experience for that morning. Uh, Make sure you see the looks on people's faces. I mean, it really is an awesome event, and we are so looking forward to it. Last question, when should I get baptized? July 10th. I mean, if God's asking you to do this, if he's leading you right now to do this, then, then I'd say you better respond. Why delay? You know, maybe you were baptized as an infant, as a kid, and God's leading you to do this uh, again for your life. I, I think you need to get baptized. You know, over the past few months, I've seen hands go up around the room at the end of services of people receiving, surrendering their lives to Jesus. If that's you, then this is probably the next best step for you to take. You know, whether you made a decision three months ago or one year ago or 10 years ago, you've never been baptized in your life. I don't want you to miss the opportunity to be baptized here with us at Forest Park on, on July the 10th. But, but I will tell you this. I, I know there are all sorts of reasons, all sorts of barriers that could come up or prevent you from doing this. And in fact, you might be trying to talk yourself into it now. And by the time you get to the car, you might feel like talking yourself out of it. But really, when you think about it, there's only one barrier that should stand in the way from you being baptized. And that's that you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What, what's holding you up from making that decision this morning? You can do that before we go today. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for his life.
his death and his resurrection. And we thank you, Lord, for the eternal life that is there as a free gift ready to be received. Uh, We thank you, God, that we don't have to live separated from you any longer, that you offer Jesus Christ as our way back to you. God, I pray for each person in this room right now. I pray for the work that you're doing in their heart and in their mind even today. I believe that you have something for each of us. You know, maybe it's for a mom and dad who want to go back and be a little bit more intentional about talking to a child. Maybe uh, it's for a friend who's got a friend in mind and you're realizing I, I, I've got to be more intentional in my time and my prayers for them and with them. I pray for those here today for which maybe this is a reminder of your baptism, however long ago it's been. And, and maybe you'll use this time today as a great reminder of your work, uh, your forgiveness, your love for us, God. God, I pray for those who are considering baptism. I, I pray that it wouldn't be a matter of consideration only, but God, I pray that you'd lead them to do this. If you're drawing someone to take this next step today, God, would you tear down any walls, any barriers that might be preventing them from making such a decision? You know, some of you know, you know what you need to do. If, if God's drawing you to himself, if he's calling you to do this, then I'd urge you to do it and to sign up today. God, I want to pray for those here today for who the only barrier standing in the way of baptism in their life right now is that they've never invited you into their heart and life. And if that's you today, if, and I know that some of you may sense that God brought you here today for this time, for this place, for this moment as we pray, he's drawing you to himself and you're ready to say now, yes now. If you're ready to say, yes, Jesus, take over, come into my life and forgive me of my sins, I am, I am ready to give everything to you. If that's you and that's where you are today, just slip your hand up right now. No one's looking around. Just as a way of acknowledging my, I'm responding to the work that God is doing in me today. I'm receiving him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, you can pray this prayer with me. God, I recognize my need for a Savior. Jesus Christ, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God who died for me. And I'm dying to you today. Make me alive today. God, God, we thank you for your work now uh, and for the work to come. We thank you for all of the decisions in this room this morning. And we're going to celebrate you now and celebrate you in Jesus Christ, in his name, our Lord and Savior. Amen.